0: Hello, and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose, PhD. And today I'd love to talk about what I see as the psycho spiritual invitation of these times. What I'd love to say is from a psycho spiritual perspective, it's psycho and spiritual. This isn't about spiritual bypassing, this is very much about really honoring the whole range of human experience and seeing things at the biggest, biggest picture. Around consciousness but also having very deep compassion for all of us as humans and all other than humans. So I would really love to start off with saying if you're listening to this in around about April 2020 I am sending you so much love and compassion. If you've got lots of big feelings showing up, if you have fear showing up, if you have been finding things challenging, If you've been noticing lots of old feelings from the past bubbling up, particularly around um, lack of support, isolation, or lack of autonomy and choice, which again, I talk about love and will, which I'll be talking about a lot today. I am sending such love to you, such love. It's really, really big time we're in. And for me, I love to, as I say, really include from the biggest picture that I can go to, which I believe there are much, much bigger pictures, <laughs> um, to the most um, practical and emotional and mental and all the layers and levels. It's what I love about the psychospiritual paradigm. It's really honoring all the parts of us, including our here and now parts, our soul and all the younger parts of us that show up to be heard and listened to and given reparative experiences. So I'd love to offer the way I am seeing things at the moment, and it's changing and evolving and emerging. I've been using the word emergence a lot. I really believe that we are in a very powerful time of psychospiritual emergence, where we are being invited both individually and collectively to create a big shift in paradigm. So I'd really love to mention today the work of two people that I've been uh, really enjoying, so one of them is Jeremy Lent, his book, The Patterning Instinct, I highly, highly recommend. So I'll be referring to his work and apologies to him if I if I misquote uh, him. But what I really learned from his book, which is so much about the history of consciousness and um, particularly as it relates to core beliefs about what it is to be here as a human being, uh, spiritual beliefs science and really how we got here how we got to this point today so i'm i'm from reading his work i'm taking my own um ways of being with that but i really want to say thank you so much to him and if you if you like seeing the bigger picture and you like understanding human consciousness i so highly recommend his book so, from what I remember, he wrote about the first um, humans first believing or perceiving there to be a split between spirit and matter, which is, I've always wondered, when did that happen? When did that happen? And he talks about it being about three and a half thousand years ago with Zoroaster, who developed Zoroastrianism, and really the journey that we have taken um, since then. In really having that split between spirit and matter. So the way I understand things, which is that is originally as um human beings and in more indigenous cultures there was animism, there was really this deep sense that spirit and matter were one, that spirit is in everything that we are deeply interconnected with each other and all of life and you know really that deeply embedded and embodied experience and when we started believing in the split between spirit and matter my own interpretation of this in terms of how i see a psychospiritual context by the way i'm going to be talking about parenting but for me in order to understand how we how we respond to our children I believe we really need to understand, like, how did we get to these beliefs about human beings and about children, babies and how we respond to them so that we can really make choices around uh, what we do next? So anyway, back to back to love and will. So the way I see it, our true nature is love and will, our true nature as human beings, our true nature as babies and as children is lovingness and willingness. And my understanding of what happened then is in that original split between spirit and matter there was a deep sense of um, disconnection from love because for me love is all about understanding that we are all one we are interconnected with all of life we are um, being communicated all, all the time by everything and everyone that we are totally interconnected and I do think again that part of what these times are showing us with the virus in particular is how deeply interconnected we all are as human beings and how, how, um, how that is really an absolute um, lived experience. So first of all there was the split in love. We disconnected from that sense of um, wholeness, that sense of interconnectedness. And then came a really different way of being around will, which which turned into really power over. So rather than willingness, and more I see the kind of, the perspective of perhaps Taoism, which is more like Wu Wei and effortless action, effortless action and willingness, and that power with, that developed in most of the, um, many cultures, this sense of power over. So it became... Um, those with more power use their power over those with less. So that went then side by side with uh, agriculture, uh, the ideas of ownership of land, land uh, boundaries. And then we shifted into the industrial revolutions. There's even more power over, particularly by those uh, with apparently the most power, originally the kings, the politicians, the men, the women, the children, the animals, the earth. It's like this apparent hierarchy of, um, of power. And power over has been the um, the name of the game. So at this point, I'd love to also bring in the work of Peter Gray. I really recommend having a look at his work. He has a wonderful article in particular around the history of schooling. And so if we go back again to more indigenous ways of knowing, it, in those Indigenous ways, it was completely trusted that children were learning right from <laughs> day dot how to live into, how to live, how to learn about and live in the, the family and culture that they're born into. And, you know, that's that's what we come into the world with that set into place. And through observing and through play, and through gradually being involved in more and more um, activities of the culture, that children would naturally learn how to, how to hunt, how to create buildings, how to do all the things that were c- required in order to um, survive and fit in to society and be- become a functioning member of society, and how well that worked, and how well that works, that system that gets passed down from generation to generation, that those ways of being and really children being deeply trusted to to learn through play and if you're familiar already with aware parenting so aware parenting is um, one of the key paradigms i really love i'm a level two aware parenting instructor have been for 15 years and so much of aware parenting is about the power of play play helps children process things it helps them learn things It helps them heal from stress and trauma. It's an incredibly powerful thing and something that's been very much um, denigrated. Again, I would say in that process of split between spirit and matter because what happened in that split was that what was valued became spirit and the mind and what was devalued became feelings and the body. So that's been going on for so, so long. The idea that the mind is... Is better that um, you know being somewhere else, you know, ascending or um, uh, leaving the planet, but in that you know, the bodies and feelings were sinful and bad. We can really see that in the history of many religions, and this was um, really shown in the ways that women. And children in particular and animals and the earth have been treated with a lack of respect, with denigration, with judgment, with shaming, with power over, you know, for generation upon generation upon generation. It's really part of um, what I learned from nonviolent communication is the, what we could call the domination culture. So again, that's power over, power over the devaluing of the interconnectedness, the devaluing of love. And the use of power over coercion, force, punishment, um, all of that kind of stuff that has been used again and again and again and gets passed down from generation to generation. Power over gets passed down because a child who grows up in an authoritarian family experiences powerlessness is often going to then turn to power over again or into powerlessness. Unless we unless we do our own inner work around that. So what I love about Peter Gray's work is he really talks about how originally and still in many cultures around the world today, children are trusted. Children are trusted to learn and that they learn through observation, through experiential learning. That, that is deeply valued because it's just the way things are, the way children learn. And Again, if you think about it nowadays, in terms of children learning, what is valued in most mainstream education—thinky learning, sitting down learning, writing and reading—that very, um, you know, that very particular way of learning, which is is valuable. But there are many, many other ways of learning. That's just one. And in our culture, we've come to really see that as the uh, the uh, most important way of learning, the most important thing for children to learn. So actually, let's go back a little bit again. Let's rewind a bit. So in Peter Gray's work, he talks about this shift then into um, away from more hunter-gatherer living into more uh, the agricultural whole period where children then started to be um, needed to work on farms, to... Um, to do all the things that are required in an agricultural um, way of living and rather than being trusted to learn and again let's not idealise all um, hunter-gatherer cultures, what I've also learned is that they're they're very much differed, some could be um, deeply respecting and compassionate, others weren't so uh, we can refrain from also idealising all of them. But really seeing that, that shift into the agricultural um, period meant that children were then um, really needed to be part of the workforce. And then when we hit the Industrial Revolution, um, children, as we know, were treated in really, really terrible ways at very young ages, first forced to work in factories and all kinds of things. And again, that, of course, that's still happening in places around the world now. But very much through power over through coercion, through punishment, and of course, you know a child with less power less um uh, physical power, less um economic power, you know really there's very little choice, very little choice as a child if you are in a um in an environment where you're being powered over, where you're being punished. All the terrible things that would happen if you tried to escape you know that was it was pretty rough and what happened alongside that is um, schools got set up So schools happened around about the time of the industrial revolution and again peter gray's work talks really beautifully about how this happened and all the different influences and the puritanical influences and all of those kinds of things and the way I see it is that we're still really living with the vestiges of those ways of thinking, which is really, and again, I want to say this isn't to devalue teachers or the, the loving intentions of so many people who are teachers or who work in schools who set up schools. And of course, there are many newer schools that have been set up and that are being set up that are much more about the new paradigm or the new slash old paradigm about really deeply understanding children and their innate desire and capacity to learn through experience. But if we think about it a lot of the education system that has been up around until now has been really based on the idea that children need to sit down for many hours a day to to learn Mostly through reading and writing that being seen as the most valuable thing the punishments have been very normal coercion the idea that all children need to learn everything um, that teachers know what's best for children to learn that all children need to learn the same things that all children need to learn in the same ways um, that children can be graded and marked, that teachers get to do that, you know, all of those things which what I and I know through working with uh women around the responding to their callings is that we can really see the impact of this we see it you've probably seen it in yourself or people you know so often all the things around you know there's a right way and a wrong way to do things uh, I have to get it right I have to be um you know I'm not good enough who am I to do this all of the things that get internalized through that old-fashioned way of supporting or, or, or teaching children. Really, which so much is about power over and coercion and force, rather than that, again, that deep trust in a children's natural desire to want to learn about the culture they're born into and to want to follow their own unique callings. So we can, of course, now bring in things that, that weren't around necessarily in hunter-gatherer days there are, you know, the idea of following a calling the all the opportunities that the information age has us um, uh, gives us and the way I would see it is particularly in these times where there are so so many families now at home uh, that I think in, for many parents and families were being invited to reassess these ways of perceiving children and perceiving learning, the idea that uh, learning needs to be done in a classroom, sitting down through writing, the, the valuing of uh, thinky learning over art, over poetry, over, um, you know, any other thing, really, embodied experiential learning. All these things that are so much a part of that um, that devaluing of the feminine, the devaluing of the body, the devaluing of learning through experience, the devaluing of the, the, the wisdom that we gain through actually experiencing something and just playing and through learning and through being, through living life. That we are, I believe, being invited to reassess that and say, do we really, does this, does this education system actually serve our children? Does it serve us? And are we being invited to completely shift paradigms here? And the paradigm shift I would see we might be being invited to, is to really go back to deeply valuing parents, the the profound value of parents and families. The profound um, capacity we have as parents to support our children in learning and that our children are constantly learning from us and from what they're experiencing and i really know through my experience so my children haven't been to school ever they're 18 and 13 and it's taken me a long time to really get there but what i've learned through these years of them not going to school is a deep deep fundamental trust that children want to learn they have every capacity to learn something if they're really interested in it they can easily learn all the things that we think we need to teach them if they're interested in it and they want to learn and we and it's fun and interesting for them they will learn to read and to write and also actually doing it through things that they're really, really interested in and that each child is so different. You know what I, what I often feel sad about is thinking that these amazing, this amazing life that we have, this opportunity we're given and, you know, to spend so much of it doing things that we don't actually want to do, that we have no interest in and that we're not going to actually use in later life. Where perhaps this new paradigm we're being invited to is, one of my visions, is the idea of um, learning pods. So the idea being that there is so much more autonomy and choice, so in terms of will, rather than the old paradigm of coercion and power over and force and punishment, that we really bring back the beauty of willingness of autonomy of choice of um listening to what we have a yes and a no to and really supporting children um to follow their particular interests you know so there are learning pods actually for people of all ages mixed age groups where in every learning center or learning pod there are one or multiple people who are um who are mentors, who have lived, long-lived experience of working in that field, doing that thing, whether it be something like maths or um, um, archaeology or architecture or astrology, I've got all the A's here, or um, art or writing or... um, programming or future thinking or problem solving or gardening or um, mechanic work or building whatever it is that when a when a child shows interest they get to to have the opportunity to be supported in these learning pods so that they are with other people that they are doing something that they are drawn to that they are interested in that they want to learn and through being in an environment that really supports them to actually follow those interests and callings, in ways that also really we change the whole system of of work. You know, the nine to five job that also came in with the industrial revolution. You know, and I really want to acknowledge all the all the jobs that are still needed to be in person, and particularly all the caretaking um, jobs, all the nurses, all the doctors, all the People who care for those who need extra help, whether that's um, the elderly or, you know, our elders really honoring all, all of the people who need to be doing in-person work and to actually value that so much more, to be paying those people more money uh, so that the people doing the caring and doing the supporting and doing all that in-person um, stuff are really um, valued, deeply valued. But also I believe that we're being invited to not only take things locally in terms of things like food production and um, again I think this is a thing for this time to really see actually to go back to more local foods, more seasonal foods, more um, self-sufficiency around that whilst at the same time on a global level really connecting in with um what Tehard de Chardin called the newosphere, so that really that sense of human consciousness spanning around the whole of the outside of the world to um in ways that help us reconnect with that interconnectedness with that love with that knowing that we are all um, we are all one we are all interconnected on this beautiful planet that we call home, and in you know really coming back home again from that original split between spirit and matter to actually see that spirit and matter are one, that we um, we can connect with consciousness with people all around the world and that there are so many things now, rather than needing to drive to a job or be at a job from nine to five, that can be done virtually, that can be done flexibly, that, that really supports, again, parents in particular to... Um, to have really flexible lives that mean that they can really be with their children, support their children whilst also working and that doesn't mean doing twice as much but it means that these learning pods for example really support parents in in fluid and flexible ways so that there is care for children so that we we get to do more of the work that we're here to do so that we get to follow our callings, our children get to follow theirs in ways where there's a lot of support and love for each family to find their own unique way with that. So for example, if you're at home at the moment, and I know for the women that I, particularly it's mothers that I work with at the moment, there's been a really strong call. I've heard so many mothers that I work with. Say things like you know I've always wanted a home birth now i'm I'm really willing to have it. I've always wanted to create an online course now i'm this is the time for me. People who have taken their work online uh, who are perhaps doing in- person sessions who are finding that really um, means that they can spend more time with their children or they're actually seeing that deep connection can happen virtually and of course it's it's different and there are many things that cannot be done virtually but just increasing our flexibility and our capacity for choice, that will piece for choice and for us to find that unique journey for ourselves. And I think the other invitation being to see if your child's coming home with loads and loads that are not coming home, he's at home and school is um, asking them to do loads of loads of things and perhaps you're seeing that there are things that they're not interested in or things that they already know or things that really just don't feel a fit for you whether you're being invited to see oh maybe we maybe we can maybe we do need to shift the paradigm here maybe you're noticing how much your children are learning just through being at home Maybe you're seeing your children, I'm I'm hearing a lot of these kinds of stories, like um, siblings um, reconnecting again in ways that they haven't done since they started school. Um, children feeling, feeling much more calm and relaxed and happy, particularly highly sensitive children. And I also want to acknowledge all the other experiences too. There might be Uh, experiences of more fighting more big feelings more crying and again if we understand from an aware parenting perspective it's really normal and natural when there is more support and there are more people around and you're at home with the family it also gives an opportunity for all the unexpressed feelings to bubble up so again i actually think this is an invitation of these times my sense is that for each of us uh Whatever's happening now is actually also inviting us to connect with younger parts of us that didn't ever get to be heard. So, for example, if you had particular experiences around separation, you may be finding that you're having big feelings around separation, showing up around loss, around loneliness, around lack of support. And I wonder if you would inquire into, do those feel familiar to you? Do those also feel like feelings you had as a younger person? Or if you, and I think we all did again in this culture around, so that's those are the love hurts. And in terms of will hurts, the, if you are, due to regulations around staying home, you're feeling particular feelings around powerlessness and frustration and outrage. Are those not only about now, but also related to younger experiences you had where you were coerced, where you weren't given choice and autonomy, where your will wasn't honoured. And are you willing to listen lovingly to those younger parts of you? And just the same, I also see that our children are being invited to connect in with feelings that they perhaps haven't had the opportunity to express and have lovingly heard. So you may be seeing that more tears, more tantrums. and from an aware parenting perspective, we understand that, that that is the way that children heal. They heal through crying and through raging with our loving support. But of course, you know, we're living in the old paradigm. We're still living in the old paradigm. So, so to really have so much compassion for ourselves, that we're living within an old paradigm whilst the new one's emerging. And I talk a lot about this in my work, that we're in the middle of the kind of vesica piscis that where those two circles overlap. The old paradigm's moving out and it has been for some while. The new paradigm's coming in and we're in the middle of that. And that's inevitably going to be hard. It is like the birthing process because we're aiming often to parent in new ways, to respond to ourselves in new ways whilst also living in the old paradigm, whilst having grown up in the old paradigm whilst also being... Having internalized those old ways around love and will, that we then need to work within ourselves, and not yet having the structures and the systems in place. You know, the learning pods aren't that yet yet there for most people. the The valuing of family isn't yet there in most cultures. the The financial support for parents, the you know that shift hasn't happened. So of course, it's going to be hard because we don't have the new paradigm, the external. Um, structures are not in place because we're being invited to connect in with what do we want, are we willing to have it are we willing to co-create this new paradigm to put these structures into place which means no to the old ways of power over to the old political structures of power over authoritarianism um, coercion and really seeing how that has happened inside ourselves that uh, through um, I talk about the colonisation process that's happening. These has happened. These ways have spread across the world, and we've internalised that because we grew up in the culture. So the ways in which you may see you punish yourself, you coerce yourself, you don't listen to what you what you have a yes and a no to. I wonder if you notice any of those. And the ways that which you have learned, again, pretty much all of us have learned in this culture to um, the the love hurts, to to not value our needs for compassion, to judge ourselves, to be harsh with ourselves, to um, not value our needs, to be very unloving internally. So I think we're really being invited in all these levels, the internal level to shift paradigms to one of lovingness and willingness which in my work is all about increasing our capacity to deeply and unconditionally love ourselves in really practical ways. It's not just, oh, love yourself. It's actually changing our inner dialogue from the harshness, from the judgment into self-compassion, self-empathy and shifting the internal um, power over coercion, the will hurts, into really... um, stopping guilting ourselves, stopping shoulding ourselves, and actually increasingly taking choice through willingness rather than coercion. How that gets um, interpreted in terms of parenting is the same thing, is providing a loving environment for our children, which means as much as we can, given our own love hurts, Responding to them with compassion and empathy wherever we can. Seeing them through a loving lens, seeing their true nature as love. uh, And helping them heal their love hurts, which means listening lovingly whenever we can and increasing our capacity for their tears, their expressions of loss and of grief and overwhelm, which is how they stay connected to their true nature as love. And it's also about listening to, to offering them a willing environment, which means honoring their needs for choice and autonomy, for respect, to listen to their no's wherever possible, um, to, to really hear that yes is what they do want. And if we do find ourselves using power over, either because we've gone into our own powerlessness and we use power over from there, or because for safety or whatever reasons, or for you know, through other people they experience um, their know not being heard, that we listen to the, their will hurts then, which is generally through their outrage, their frustration, their tantrums, that expression, that beautiful energy of the rah, and listen to that with loving compassion. And again, both of these are going to require our ongoing psychospiritual reparenting. Because for most of us, we didn't get to have our love hurts heard, our tears and our sorrow and grief and loss was often not welcomed and often nor was our frustration and outrage and rah. But as we go on this journey, we get invited to do that on a parallel level, to increasingly listen To ourselves in loving ways and listen to our children in loving ways to support the expression of our will and our child's will and willingness and also in in the learning sphere that means um, really supporting them in following their calling doing what they feel called to do and and doing the same for ourselves wherever possible so it's an an ongoing journey but i really see that's the invitation to shift into this new paradigm We actually realise and remember that we are spirit and matter, that we are souls here and that our bodies and our feelings are as sacred and um, meaningful and gorgeous as are our minds and our consciousness and that all are interconnected. And to treat ourselves and each other with respect and reverence, to see the wisdom in a baby, as well as their, their baby body that needs care and nourishment and nurturance, to, to come back to trust human nature and to see that when we really understand our true nature is love and will, and to provide babies and children with loving and willing environments, to listen to their love and will hurts, where we then see that true um, nature just shining out and really doing that own, our own psychospiritual reparenting around that too. So, this is big, big picture things, but these are things that we can really bring right into from the most um, biggest picture that I can hold. I know there are much bigger pictures around Gaia and around planetary and da 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 but from this level of big picture from our history as human beings from three and a half thousand years ago uh, the 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 split between spirit and matter the whole relationship we've had with love and will to actually see in our lives coming back to the really simple things how can am i willing to be more compassionate with myself So for me, I have really particular practices around that, that inner loving mother who responds with loving compassion to the here and now feelings and needs as well as the younger parts. I hear you. I hear that you're upset, sweetheart. I'm right here with you. I'm listening. I love you exactly as you are. So there are really tangible ways that we can change that inner dialogue from the old harsh paradigm of responding to the new paradigm, loving compassion, and, and I've really experienced that in my own journey, in my own life. My inner dialogue was one of the most harsh. It was filled with guilt and shame and self-judgment and coercion, and now my inner dialogue is deeply compassionate, and it has profoundly affected my experience of life and my capacity to actually really enjoy life and live in the present moment. and Be compassionate with my body and my feelings and whatever I'm experiencing, whatever I'm needing. And the will work, again, is really, really tangible. It's on a really practical moment-to-moment level, learning to notice when we're coercing ourselves and learning to notice how unenjoyable that is when we're shitting ourselves, when we're forcing ourselves. Uh, when we're punishing ourselves with guilt after doing something and to just gradually slowly over time change that inner dialogue to one of connecting with what do we want what do we not want what are we willing for and seeing how much more profoundly powerful that is than coercion and force when we connect to our willingness that is where we connect to our sacred power and our deep interconnectedness with all of life. So in another podcast, I'm going to spend the whole time talking about will and sacred power and the neo-no and particularly how important that is for us as mothers in these times. But also, again, in parenting, it's really, really practical and tangible, increasing our inner capacity for lovingness and willingness gives us naturally more capacity to respond to our child with compassion, to see them through the eyes of love, to listen lovingly to their big tears and to, to be with them and to simply love them unconditionally and give them increasing that, that experience of being loved unconditionally. And in terms of will, it also supports us in increasingly being able to offer them choices and to listen to their no's and respect their, um, their yeses and nos and also increasingly learn to, to really be able to hear their outrage or frustration and love that energy and see that when they get to express it in really helpful ways, healthy ways they don't need to turn to aggression or blame or any of those other ways because they're getting to express it in really healthy ways and stay connected to their natural life energy and their natural lovingness so that's a little bit of how I see things and the invitation that we have right now to shift paradigms internally in our parenting, in how we help our children learn and and really going back to that deep trust in that our children are learning to create new systems of um, support for families and new systems of supporting children to follow their callings and actually give their gifts in the world we really need this more than ever don't we we need young people who uh you know those that have deep expertise in um whatever it is are out there doing doing the thing whether it's d- discovering new forms of um, creating energy whether it's new forms of governance whether it's new forms of whatever it is we need children who are deeply connected with their selves they true nature with their full capacity to contribute which they are you know the more we uh, listen to their love hurts and will hurts the more clear they are they can they they connect with their love they connect with their capacity to contribute and desire to contribute to make a difference it's who we really are as human beings we don't need to be coerced into being helpful members of society When we're brought up in these ways with lovingness and willingness, that emerges. We naturally want to help. We want to be loving. We want to make a difference. We want us to be a helpful member of our community. That's the true nature of human beings. So I really see that invitation to remember who we really are, to remember that we are each unique souls as well as deeply interconnected with each other. That our true nature is love. Our true nature is sacred power. That we can stand up with our... No, I am not willing for this in a way that does not require violence or aggression. We can stand in our loving limits. Again, I'm going to talk about this another time. In our true power as human beings, which has been squished and judged and shamed. You know, we, we have been not given the opportunity to fully shine and, and be all that we are and I see that we are being invited to to create new, loving, supportive, encouraging environments so that we can much more live up to our capacity and our potential as humanity to actually be these amazing beings that we are to support our children to go forth and create this new paradigm, this new um, this new culture this new this new paradigm that is so needed right now so that we treat each other with love and kindness so that we treat our animal friends with love and kindness so that we treat our beautiful mother earth gaia with deep reverence and respect as the indigenous people's did because we know that she gives us life that she is everything when we're not judging and devaluing the feminine the body the earth our feelings then we come back to true, sacred relationship with her. So, I know that was big and long. I how you're feeling now. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so passionate about all of this. And if you want to find out more, I have loads of articles and free courses and paid courses and all kinds of things which go into all different elements and um, aspects of all of this. So, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking to you next time.